welcome back to the Major Journey Podcast. Today's special guest is the CEO and founder of the Global Hemp Association, a nonprofit organization dedicated to growing the industrial hemp industry by elevating standards and highlighting leaders through broadcast media. She's interviewed over 200 industry professionals, an up-to-date library of what's going on in the industry as it happens, a knowledge base that's extensive and diverse. Today's guest brings farmers, manufacturers, and other industry experts together to strengthen the hemp supply chain and educate each other. With over 10 years of sales, event promotion, marketing, and networking experience, she can identify and develop opportunities in ever-evolving industry. And so without further ado, Mandy Kerr, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Super excited to have you on, Mandy. And first and foremost, thank you so much for the work that you do. Um, for the cannabis industry, for the hemp industry. Obviously, there's a lot of work to be done, but we've been paving the way and bringing a lot of education and insight uh, to the forefront for a lot of us. So before we dive in, I just want to say thank you and thank you for always putting that information out there for all of us to soak up. Absolutely. It's fun. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. So let's just jump into it. For those who aren't so familiar with you and your work with the Global Hemp Association, could you maybe take us back to sort of the early days of maybe what attracted you to the hemp industry or cannabis, uh, you know, from a holistic level, um, what attracted you to the industry and sort of what your journey was like from point A to where you are today? Sure. So I, I kind of had an aha moment. I was invited as a guest to um, help generate leads basically for somebody that was selling merchant processing. And for me, I was like, oh, merchant processing. Yeah, no. But the opportunity that I had to learn about the industry was really exciting. And so um, I went and I took full advantage and I stood at the edge of the booth and spoke to everybody that walked by and tried to figure out what complications or problems they were having and you know what real opportunities there were for growth within the industry and over and over again you know people were talking about the cannabinoid or the CBD side of the market and very little did I hear anything about the fiber and grain markets and so at the same event I learned that you know, the plastics market or plastics industry really exploded as the hemp industry was stifled or kind of died off and it made me mad it frustrates me that we had a solution for this problem that our world is facing all along. And so right then it kind of lit a fire under me to say, we have to build an organization where people can come together and ask questions and learn about this tool, whether they're in the, in the industry or looking to use the product as a natural fiber or an additive to something in their you know, basic manufacturing practices. And so I dove in head first. That's awesome. I love how, how it came from a, from a solution oriented place. And so yeah. what, what, what would you say is the Global Hemp Association's role in this 2022 point in time that we're in um, from the cannabis and from the hemp industry? Um, what kind of you know, different initiatives are, are you involved with? I know you have the podcast, which is awesome, and it's a great yeah. channel for, for education and insight and spreading the word. But, uh, but yeah, what are, what are some of the cool things that, that you guys are up to? 
Yeah. So we host our podcast where I do uh, live interviews Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then weekly we host group meetings where we bring in 50 to 100 people to talk about all different topics. And it gives an opportunity to not only learn about subjects, but also meet the subject experts and network with others within the industry. And so it really has brought a lot of conversation together. Um, And then we do a lot of farm on farm education. This year we did fiber variety trials in 10 states with 10 different varieties. So instead of focusing our farm operation on the high CBD or low THC crops, we went all into uh, fiber production and, and, you know, looking at quality and quantity of herd and fiber. Um, And then we did the same, same 10 varieties in 10 different states. So we can really show scalable data that is collected consistently, um, across the nation, right? Six different regions. Um, And then we're doing, so we're doing fiber variety trials. And then really right now looking to uh, put some processing facilities in and support local processing um, that is already existing through different grants and supporting farms, Um, you know, really where the value is or where we really are after the value is what we're able to provide back to our farm, you know, as the first piece of the supply chain. And so we've really dove in there. That's so impressive. And from, from your perspective, I'm not too fluent in the industrial uh, yeah. side of hemp, but I'd love to know from your perspective, what do you sort of see as, you know, one of the first big ways that industrial hemp can kind of pave its way forward in the modern world that we're in today as it kind of gets reinstated back into, into um, industrial use? Yeah, so I think some of the, what we call, or you hear a lot of times people say low-hanging fruit mm-hmm. is the building industry. Um, you know, the amount of processing or uh, technical processing that's needed in order to create a basic input for a hempcrete is a little bit less expensive. The hurdle isn't as big as entering into, say, a textile grade fiber. Um, and also the need, you know, there's a huge awareness now that's been created globally around the carbon footprint of our homes and how it's being manufactured and made. And hemp plays such a big role in the carbon sequestration when hemp is is mixed with lime and water for a hempcrete. It continues to sequester carbon. It traps that carbon for a long time. It's more energy efficient. Um, Yeah, breathable, waterproof, or mold, I shouldn't say mold proof, um, mold resistant, fire resistant, you know? And so with housing being this, it's the next big piece that pulls on our heartstrings that's affecting people we know in our own communities. And so we can now, yeah, play a big role in the housing markets. That's so cool. And who would have thought, right, that hemp, just this naturally derived plant coming from the ground could actually be the future of building homes across the world. And in a way that's crazy, way more, I don't know if cost effective is the right word, but just requires significantly less processing, sort of, as you just put it. Well, I think it's... Uh... Yes and no, right? The cost to produce a plastic material or the way that we're building homes, right, is less expensive if I'm comparing a wood floor to a, like a pine to a a hemp, Mm. right? The cost of the material for which it's sold, 
But what point do we start to take into consideration the cost that or the impact that those materials have on our environment Mm -hmm. or the people? Right. And so I think that's where we really start to play a major role is because hemp hemp on the industrial side has an opportunity to localize supply chain that plays a major role in the big impact. So and then instead of extraction processes, right, we're going to grow the product on a renewable resource. And so, so that, that can become very impactful. That's so fascinating. And one thing that actually just popped in, into my mind, I'm not sure if if, um, if you've connected with anybody on this, but when it comes to textiles, I've heard that Levi's, and I could have read this somewhere or heard this somewhere in conversation, they were actually looking at getting into producing hemp denim. Is that a- so they have a whole hemp line that they sell. If you get on Levi's website, they have a hemp line. So does Nike and Patagonia, you know, big, big brands are getting in. I think that there's still this uh, instability or uncertainty in the um, supply chain, mm-hmm. you know, for us to be able to scale the number of acres that are needed or the amount of processing needed to fill the demand. The demand is there. Like there is no question asked. As soon as people understand the footprint or what hemp's capability is for soil regeneration and or the life cycle analysis of the fiber themselves, because the footprint of shrinking and and bringing, you know, I guess localizing manufacturing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like one of the things that really blew my mind about, about industrial hemp when I started to look into it is the fact that the soil regeneration and what it does for the soil once you plant it and how it just cleans. I'm probably not using the right words, but it, it really just cleans and filters out the soil that it's planted. Yeah, I did a really awesome interview. This is something cool that as part of the association and what I've learned so much in doing interviews, I'm sure like you is, um, you know, I get to talk to people that are heavily involved in agronomy, you know, and then those that are heavily involved in manufacturing or processing. And what I've learned from a few interviews recently is we've talked about how hemp plays a major role in regenerative agriculture is its root structure is in unlike other, other crops where it has three different components and makes it very viable at creating microbes and carbon sequestration, soil remediation. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's structure. It's root structure is very powerful. Yeah. That's all this stuff is so fascinating because it's something that not, I don't think it actually gets it. I don't think hemp gets enough credit for what it's capable of, especially when it comes to textiles and just everything that we don't think of it. Like now I think there's a lot more, there's way, there are way more conversations about it from like the nutritional aspect as well. Um, not just, you know, I can ingest the CBD portion of it, but just from a nutrition standpoint, I think we're getting more conversations out and about, about that. But I would really just love to see more of the industrial uses that go more mainstream and for organizations to start putting some more capital behind it. Because to your point, long-term thinking, it's not just about the cost of, okay, you know, here's $10, here's $15. It's okay, long-term, what are we really saving? And I think that question should really start to be posed a lot more. And, and hopefully that can move the needle forward uh, and speed up the process on all of this. Well, that was kind of earlier when you asked me, you know, how I got into the industry, where I really had an aha moment was how disconnected I was from the supply. Like, where do my clothes come from? Right. Where do our food come from? 
You know, and if I'm going to Walmart as a consumer and buying a $5 t-shirt and shopping for the least expensive shirt, and now I understand the cost of shipping a shirt across to China, shipping alone is more than $5. Now who's touching it? Who's farming it? Who's growing it? Who's manufacturing it? Who's sewing it? Who's packaging it? And I think that's where I was like, whoa, hemp has this opportunity to bring all of those pieces for ethically sourced, sustainable materials and profitability, not just for the person or the people or the investors, but also like our soil and our land and our communities that, yeah, it becomes so much more. And it's funny because all along it's been said that, you know, it's this opportunity to gather around and, you know, puff, puff, pass and share, but really, you know, the community aspect or what we're able to do on a core, you know, fundamental level is significantly bigger than the CBD market or the medical or high THC, low THC. I totally agree. And I was actually just having a conversation with Peter Holsworth, who's the founder of Fly Soul Shoots, who I'm sure you've probably connected with. Yeah, um, I know Peter. Such an unbelievable concept behind the shoe, behind the brand. I mean, the fact that you can just uh-huh. take the shoe, put it in the ground, plant the shoe, and then over some time, hemp is going to come out. Um, it's just, it's, it's mind-blowing. But he, he also really put a big emphasis on the fact that, you know, the, the, the Nikes in almost everybody's closet, they're going to be, they're still going to be around for probably 600 more years after our bodies are gone. And well, what is that going to do long-term? Nothing good. But here you take uh, here you take footwear that's been naturally created and produced utilizing hemp fiber. And what is it going to do? It's going to naturally biodegrade. It's going to, to what we were speaking about earlier, it's going to clean up the soil around it. And it's like, why, why are we not putting more emphasis? Why are we not trying to, to push this forward faster and, and further than, than we are? We have to think like the same question back is, you know, why was it banned because of all of these things, right? It became a competitor to paper and steel and automotive industries. And, you know, yeah, the, the forest deforestation and um, before the war, you know, before it was banned, uh, Henry Ford had it in a vehicle. Right. And I want to go back really quick to a point you said that we hear all the time or I hear all the time. Hemp does have a biodegradable aspect to it, but hemp actually has a really powerful um, opportunity where it's not necessarily more biodegradable, but it lasts longer. So we have less waste. Right. So when we look at packaging, especially for the auto industry, it becomes very powerful in reusable packaging or recyclable opportunities, less of an opportunity in a disposable plastic bottle. Hmm, Interesting. So we still have plastics that we're not going to replace. And there's still habits that have been created due to the convenience of, you know, and the accessibility of low cost plastics or low cost materials. But this transition and what you see in consumers is consumers are willing to pay more. They care where it's been sourced. They care who made it. They care now more than that dollar, that bottom line for them as to how does this impact the next generation? And what is it doing when I'm throwing it away? Is it actually being recycled or is actually going into the landfill versus the ocean? And so um, I think that's where we're really starting to see change and where hemp plays that impact is 
when a consumer really cares about the full life cycle analysis, now we have, now we're competitive. Dollar for dollar, hemp plastic is not less expensive. It's not, it's significantly more expensive. Yeah, and do you, do you think that over time, once there's a little bit more conviction, more companies want to adopt it, that with scale, we can drive the costs down to make it a little bit more attractive for some? Absolutely. Yeah, I think we're in this chicken and egg scenario right now, right? We need scale of processing so we can bring costs down per unit. Mm-hmm. Um, we still remember, you know, there's a reason it's been banned. It it literally has been written into any policy and everywhere that we can't utilize it, or if we do, certain tests have to be done to bring it into market. And so we're going to have some time as those policies change or as regulations change. Um, and then, yes, we absolutely will. And it still is being blended, you know, even using hemp blend with a, you know, a, a, a polymer or any other type of plastic still impacts the carbon footprint drastically because now we're using, you know, a grown material or a renewable material instead of an extracted material. And so that becomes very powerful also for companies. And I think, too, sorry to squirrel, but, um, when we're talking about the impact or how do we bring down that price globally, um, penalties are starting to come down and the awareness around companies' carbon footprint is very impact, you know, or is being looked at. And so you'll see a lot of, you know, companies that are purchasing carbon credit to offset their impact. And that's where hemp plays a major role because of the volume of carbon, you know, of carbon in its biomass or its root structure. Now that becomes a a tradable commodity basically that can be purchased or sold. Um, and then that also impacts, you know, the business. If I'm manufacturing locally, I don't have to ship across the world. Right. Uh, I'm growing locally and now I'm building a home with the material that was grown in the same County that that footprint is very powerful and then becomes a, a dollar value. Exactly. Yeah, I think, I mean, we, we live on an economic plant, right? I mean, it, it costs money to put food on the table and keep a roof over our head. So it's understandable that money is going to be tied to this conversation and this initiative and moving it all forward. But I do think that once, once the numbers are able to make a little bit more sense and certain policies are maybe amended or put in favor of, of utilizing hemp in more ways than not, I think it's almost going to be like a no-brainer moment. And I think those who are just uncovering what this change can do for us and for the planet and for you know generations and years and years to come, I think it's, we're going to have a moment as, as a society and just go, why didn't we do this sooner? Why didn't we start this sooner? Um, because you know, and it's anybody you talk to that gets into the industry, they're like, well, yeah, as soon as I learned, I couldn't, I, I'm hooked. I can't get out now. And so- I agree with you. I do think though that, you know, there's this chicken and egg that we have to get over and the industry needs major capital investment, hundreds and millions of dollars to build processing for, to reach that scale. So we can drop price Mm -hmm. and numbers have to make sense for somebody investing capital and putting money in. And so there is definitely, when there's some work that has to be done on calculating carbon or, you know, genetics for what's going to grow in what region, but they are getting worked out and people are working hard at it. So that's awesome. Yeah. I'm excited to hear that. And so maybe one, one question I always like to ask guests, and I'm really curious to get your take on is 
as someone who is very heavily involved in the hemp industry, what is maybe something that you feel like you've learned by being a part of this industry, being a part of this community, connecting with so many leaders and pioneers of it that you have, that you've learned that maybe you feel you wouldn't have otherwise learned by being a part of a more traditional industry? I think my connection to where things came from. Like I had no, I'm, I'm so embarrassed to say this out loud, being in the role I am, because now I preach supply chain and, you know, connection to community and the value back to farmer. But I did not grasp that that $5 t-shirt cost that farmer everything. Like it, it didn't dawn on me that when I went and I shopped sale price made in China, who sews that? Right. If I buy it for $5 and it takes her an hour or him an hour, where is that money? Where did it go? And so had I not been exposed to the opportunity that hemp brings to each of these pieces to make better sourced, more ethically made, um, more profitable for local communities, mm -hmm. I, I would have, I still would have been in la la land. I just didn't get it. Yeah. That's, that's one thing that it still just blows my mind. Like even talking with you about it right now, it's just, I don't think, I don't think we're, I don't know if I want to say given the opportunity, but I don't think we're, um, I don't think the light is necessarily being shined on supply chain nearly enough for or the impact to understand it. Yeah. Yeah. The impact of, of fast fashion. Right. And, and I just bring up fashion because it's something everybody has. Not everybody is focused on an electric vehicle or a biofuel mm -hmm. or some of these others. Right. But like, or the food industry, you know, we have a plant-based protein that is extremely digestible and it's healthy for us. And it can be fed to our animals and humans to feed our endocannabinoid system as a nutritional supplement supplement. And nobody talks about it. Right. It's just like, what <laughs> you guys here. And so, yeah, I don't think had I been in any other industry, would I have any awareness of the impact we can make and have had this whole time had our humans not messed it up, messed it up. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it, it's so fascinating too, because I, I've also found myself by jumping into the industry, it's almost <clears throat> like you become so much more well-rounded with every aspect and every limb of it than you thought you would have coming into totally. it. Totally. And I think it's, a, it's such a gift and such a blessing that you're almost forced to do so because then to your point, you start becoming aware of so many other things that tie and connect into different aspects of the world, how we live, how we eat, how we sleep, how we construct homes and places that we live in. So yeah, it's just, this industry is, is definitely not easy, but there are a lot of gifts that come with being a part of it, for sure. The people and the innovation are top notch. <laughs> like it is unbelievable the number of meetings that I've sat in and listened to the innovation that's coming with a more sustainable, more profitable, better for us, you know, more healthy. It, yeah, just like the whole picture and where it hits, you know, hemp's hemp's ability to hit every single sustainability goal on a global scale is also, there's no other crop. There's no other item that does that or product that does that. And so it kind of is starting to speak for itself on a big scale conversation that addresses way more than what we know, no matter who you are, hemp's bigger than us. So. 
Yeah. And it's nice. It's really nice to see that too, because it's almost like a sign that folks like yourself who are just consistently educating and sharing insight and bringing these experts to the forefront, it's working. Like every little episode, every conversation, every time there's an email interruption, like it's working and we're getting somewhere. We're not what we want to be, but we're getting somewhere. And so it's just, it's nice to see that there is progress being made. And more and more businesses that are not in the industry are starting to say, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Like hemp or cannabis now is, it, it plays a role in my carbon footprint or the amount of trucking that I have expenses, you know, and transportation expenses that I have or input costs for farmers. And so those are, those are problems that every industry is looking at and facing. And now we have, that's where I think hemp has started to really, yeah play a big role in the conversation or opening those doors for sure uh mandy i want to ask you for listeners who would like to connect with you or check out your podcast or learn more about the global hemp association what's the best way for them to do so for sure globalhempassociation.org is our website and then i'm on youtube there's about 300 videos published or interviews published on our youtube channel and it's global hemp association or global hemp association also awesome Mandy, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show and talk and share your insight and everything that you've kind of gathered over over the years. This has been super helpful and I really enjoyed the conversation. Oh yeah, I love it. You know, I can, I'll do this anytime. Thank you for having me. Awesome. All right, thank you so much. And thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode of the Major Journey Podcast. We will catch you all next time. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Cannabis Health Radio is a podcast about stories from people around the world who have used cannabis to deal with serious ailments, many of them life-threatening. My name is Ian Jessup. My co-host, Corey Yelland, is no stranger to the devastating emotional impact faced by so many people receiving a death sentence diagnosis from a doctor. Told she only had months to live with anal canal cancer, Corey researched and immediately began using cannabis oil to eliminate her cancer and has been cancer-free for more than a decade. She told herself that if it worked, she would spend the rest of her life helping others, which she does tirelessly every day. When you listen to our podcast, you'll hear many stories like Corey's, along with others who have used cannabis oil for many more ailments besides cancer, such as chronic pain, PTSD, MS, and many, many more. As one of our guests said, your podcast gave me the confidence to save my own life. We regularly get messages from listeners who have heard our podcast and use cannabis to solve a serious health issue of their own or that of a loved one. We hope you listen to these stories and be as inspired and moved as we are with each and every episode.